Hi friends, I am finally back. It's been a fun and busy summer. My kids are all in school now and I'm trying to get back into the flow of doing my podcast episodes. I had the amazing opportunity of going to a conference for young single adults over Labor Day weekend. Got to bring my family along. I led yoga and meditation every morning and I did a workshop for the young single adults on practical steps to finding personal peace. So I decided to record it while I was presenting and I'm going to post it here on this episode. Just a couple of things of which I want to make note. First of all, this conference was specifically for young single adults between the ages of 18 and 30. And the event was sponsored by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. So if you listen to the episode, you'll notice that I use a lot of scripture from the church to support what I am teaching. But the process that I teach for finding personal peace applies to everyone. It works no matter what your beliefs are. I will say I do talk about the importance of having our bodies because I do believe we have spirits, souls that exist beyond this life, minds and intelligence that belong to a spirit that existed before this life. I don't believe that we are just a body, just as I don't believe I am just a brain. I think, and I choose, and I move, I live and breathe, and I feel. So you'll notice how I integrate all of this into the workshop. So that being said, I hope that the context doesn't push you away and that you're open to listening to this recording, because I am really excited to share with you the process that I created for peace. Hi there, welcome to A Sensational Life. I'm creation coach Allison Baker, and this is my podcast. Listen in for tips and tools to guide you in living in the present moment. By tuning into your sensory input and feelings, you can experience life as the most complete and whole version of yourself and create a sensational life. Okay, I may need to record this again because my window is open. You might be hearing some crickets. A car may drive by. My cat is on the desk. So just... um, Bear with me with this background noise. I just wanted to jump on again and give you an intro to the presentation or the workshop because I didn't actually start recording it until I got to about the uh, second or third slide. So if you do want to follow along and participate in the workshop in the way that my audience did and also see the words that we read on with definitions and with scripture, I am posting a video of the presentation on YouTube. So I will add a link to that in the show notes if you prefer to listen and participate in that way.
then you can pause and go ahead and click on that link. The title of my workshop was Finding and Creating Personal Peace, or I guess this was the title of my presentation. The workshop itself um, was listed as Practical Steps to Finding Personal Peace, but I believe there is a difference between finding and creating peace. So think about that as you listen to this workshop. You can uh, get out a piece of paper or a pencil or you can take notes on your phone or you can just listen. But this was a very interactive workshop, so if you want to gain more from it, then make sure you have water, that you're hydrated. This is what I did with my audience while I was there. And let's just tune into how you're feeling right now. Whether you are comfortable or not so comfortable, if you are driving in the car, if you are walking, sitting at home, doing chores, whatever it is, just notice how you feel. And specifically, pay attention to how your left ankle feels right now. So a lot of times we just go with the flow, we're just running on default, we're letting our habits uh, guide our day, our actions, our behaviors. So if you think about how your left ankle feels, notice if it's comfortable or not. You might start wiggling it around. It might feel just fine. And do any other movements your body might need right now for you to feel more comfortable. This causes us to pause and really tune in to how we're feeling. So what on earth does noticing how our left ankle feels have to do with feeling peace in our life or creating peace? Well, you will learn, you're going to find out throughout the presentation or workshop that paying attention is the first step. We need to be present, we need to pause, we need to be aware of our own feelings, our circumstances, what it is we feel in our body. We are really tuning into our body. We're totally embracing that sensational life that I'm always talking about. You're tuning in to those sensations so you can create and feel peace. And the agenda of my workshop was going over, or is, as you'll listen, five steps to creating peace. And what is peace? We talk about the definitions, what we believe it is, um, what peace from God is, and how do we feel peace? How does that show up in our life? How do we feel it in our body? Then at the end of the workshop, I go over an exercise with the audience in review of the five steps that I came up with, that five-step process for creating personal peace. So with that intro, I will go ahead and let you listen, and we'll go ahead and get started. Also, one more quick side note. I was speaking in a lodge at the campground where this conference was held, and the kitchen is in the lodge, so you may hear a lot of loud background noise. I apologize, but hopefully my audio is still uh, clear and loud enough for you to 
hear and understand the workshop. So the five steps for peace are, first, pause. So when you pause, you are pausing to take a deep breath. The best breath you can take is in through your nose. It increases your oxygen, and you want your exhale to be longer than your inhale. Why is the breath important? Well, what happens if you are feeling stressed? Do you usually breathe really slowly when you're stressed? No. It's usually gonna be shorter, shallow breaths. Your heart might be racing. So by taking these deep breaths, it sends a signal to our brain that we're okay. Even if we are maybe not comfortable or we're dealing with a situation that isn't okay, if we are physically safe, it's not a life or death situation, we can take that deep breath. And the reason I put open posture is that it opens up that airway. It's easier to take that deep breath. If you guys are hunched over, your head's hanging down, that's going to be harder. So you want to roll your shoulders back and open up. Take a deep breath. This allows us to be present like we did earlier. We were paying attention to our left ankle. So in this case, you're paying attention to whatever it is that might be causing you discomfort, that was causing you to maybe take shallow breaths before. So number two, we examine it. So you're gonna become curious about the feeling or the situation, the sensation in your body, and you're just gonna observe it. You're not trying to analyze it, you're just noticing it. Like you're in a museum and you're looking at the exhibit. We give tours at our art museum in Utica and we just look not doing anything to us. So if your left ankle is feeling sore, you just notice. Number three, you go, you're going to allow and accept it. So by allowing it, you're not resisting it. The pain is still there if you're having pain in your ankle. Or this could be a situation where it's between two people. Maybe you're just examining by listening to the other person talk because you're having a conversation, okay? You're not resisting them, you just listen and you sit. Pay attention, it's increasing your attention as you allow it and accept it. So then number four, it makes it easier for you to connect. Again, with the listening, you can have compassion because we're not resisting, that allows us to not pass judgment. Example, let's say, I am feeling stressed and it's causing me to feel really tight in my chest or my neck is sore, so I'm noticing that. Okay, I'm gonna breathe into that and allow it. Instead of me judging it, ugh, if I hadn't done all these other things, I wouldn't be stressed. Or if I had just scheduled my time better, I wouldn't be stressed, right? And just, okay, I'm feeling stressed. This is how it's showing up in my body. I'm not passing judgment, I'm gonna have compassion. Okay, Allie, let's pay attention to why you feel stressed. Maybe it was an error on my part and I can try better next time. Then number five, after following those first four steps, you're able to embrace the experience. So I said become one with your feelings. 
A lot of times in coaching we say, you are not your feelings. You feel feelings, right? I might say I'm angry. That is not my identity. I'm not actually an angry being. I'm not anger. I'm just feeling anger in this moment, okay? However, when you go in this order, this is a, a type of reverse meditation. This is a Buddhist principle and technique. Who here does meditation? So a couple of you, do you do meditation so you can feel worse or feel better? Better, right? However, with reverse meditation, it actually gives you the opportunity to tune into things that are uncomfortable and just allow it. And you're reversing the process so you can fade into that feeling and more easily let it go. Because when we think that I just need to feel better, that can sometimes cause resistance, right? So let's talk about, actually, before we talk about what peace is, any questions about those five steps? Was that clear? Good. We will go, oh, you have a question? No, it's clear, okay, it's clear. We will go over it again at the end. So, what is peace? I want you guys to pull out your phone or your notebook, and you are going to write down what peace is to you. What does the word mean to you? What does it look like in your life? What does it look like for you personally? Is it loud? Do you prefer quiet? Is it alone? Do you like to be with people? Does a color come to mind, like blue or green? Or maybe red is peaceful to you. Write down everything that comes to mind. You have mm, one minute. This is just for you. Share it later if you want to, but for now you're just writing down your own thoughts. Okay, time is up, we're moving on. If you want to keep writing, you are so welcome to, but I'm gonna keep going. So definitions. Now we're gonna look at how the dictionary defines peace, okay? So number one, this is, there's five definitions for a noun for peace. So peace is a noun. It's a thing, it's a state of tranquility or quiet, like freedom from civil disturbance. So we have peace in the community, a state of security or order within a community provided for by law or custom. So because of the laws of the land, there is peace. Number two is freedom from disquieting or oppressive thoughts or emotions. So maybe it's personal. But again, this is freedom from something that you don't want. Number three is harmony in personal relations. So now it's a relationship. So we have community, you have personal, now we have a relationship. Peace between two people. And number four, a state or period of mutual concord between governments. So now we have large communities. So one was just a community, now it's between two communities, right? A pact or agreement to end hostilities between those who have been at war or in a state of enmity. And five, used interjectionally to ask for silence or calm, or as a greeting or farewell. Have any of you seen What About Bob? Oh my gosh, am I that old? Okay, so What About Bob? 
I just need peace and quiet. What does Bob and Sid, what did Bob and Sid say? Do you remember? Dr. Leo is so mad. He says, I'll be peace, I'll be quiet. <laughs> so they're gonna be peace and quiet. So it could be a thing that way. But then number two, so one, you have five definitions for a noun. The second definition is a verb. So you are peace or peaceful. So to be peaceful, to become peaceful through silence or quiet, and you are in a state of concord or tranquility. So thinking about the things or looking back at what you wrote down for yourself when you think about peace, I want you to look at what you wrote down or and or notice what stood out to you the most on this list. Uh, what did you maybe connect with? What makes the most sense to you? How do they compare or contrast with what you wrote down in your own definitions? And now you have the opportunity to share it with your buddy. For those who came in later, we turned to our neighbor and found out their name and their favorite vegetable because you're going to be talking to each other throughout this workshop. So if you wrote things down or if you didn't and you have some thoughts, go ahead and share it with your neighbor. You have three minutes. First, buddy, you have a minute and a half, go. Again, you're sharing what stood out to you, what you connected with, what was similar or different from your own personal ideas. Okay, if only one person has spoken, go ahead and have the other buddy share their thoughts. thoughts is there anyone who wants to share with the whole group we'll take a couple of minutes to take comments who feels compelled to share what they learned yeah oh. okay so what was new to her was that peace is associated with security and order can I ask you what you thought of as peace personally before seeing these things Okay, and what's your name? Camilla. So Camilla said that for her, peace is something she feels from the Holy Ghost by living the gospel. Great. Anyone else want to share? Yeah. Okay, and what's your name? So Sydney said, for her, peace is doing what she loves and feeling accomplished and productive in your life. So, awesome thoughts. If there's anyone else, we can take one more. Go ahead. Okay, so you had several relationships. What's your name? Kenna. Okay, so Kenna said, for her, harmony and personal relations really stood out to her because she thought of her relationship with God, 
her relationship with herself and her relationship with others. So we have all these different relationships, but it comes from an internal place, right? So what is Christ's peace? Some of you touched on this already. We're going to read a scripture. Ah, I love this chapter. If you have time, some other time, read the whole chapter of John 14. Can someone read these two verses for us, please? Nice and loud. Go ahead. Thank you. What's your name? Isaac. Isaac, thank you. Okay, one more. John 16. This one is my favorite that I discovered as a single. Okay, so verse 33. Can somebody read this one, please? Awesome, thank you. Remind me your name. I know I met you earlier. Joe. Joe, that's right. Okay. Thank you, Isaac and Joe. So looking at these scriptures, what is Christ's peace compared to the peace we talked about earlier? Is it a feeling or a circumstance? What's your name? Morgan. So Morgan said it's a gift because Christ is giving it to us. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. I think it's like uh, a little bit of confidence. It's we don't be afraid in chapter 16. It's given cheer. It's, it's like we're capable with Christ because Christ is the in the world. We, we don't have to be anxious about, about the things ahead of us. Yeah. It's like Uh-huh. I love it. What's your name? Hannah. Hannah. Um, awesome, because we're going to go more into that. So she said that it actually seems like this conflict, because you have tribulation in the world, but he's telling us to be of good cheer. How does this work, right? Somehow, his peace allows us to still have the things that maybe were defined, the harmony, the tranquility, the... Silence, if that's piece two, okay? So we're gonna read a set of scriptures. We're gonna have a bunch of you read here, so start raising your hands if you're interested in reading. So we're gonna read this out loud together, and this will give us a little bit more of understanding about how Christ's peace works. Can you all see that? Who wants to read the first verse? Go ahead. Thank you. What's your name? David. David. Hey, who's next? Isaac, go ahead. Thank you. Anyone else? Go ahead. I know your name. What was it? Sydney. Okay. Okay, so what's happening? to the people of Alma. 
They are being persecuted by Amulon. So if you're not familiar with this story, Alma was a wicked priest of King Noah, and Amulon was also a wicked priest of King Noah. The difference was that Alma believed the words of Abinadi, a prophet who came, and he went and started teaching people because he did have priesthood authority to start baptizing, and he has this whole group that believes in God and believes in the commandments, but they are in captive captivity from the Lamanites. And then Amulon, he had gone and become part of, he had his own group. He had taken off too because then the priests were all going to be killed, but he got away. So he remembers Alma. He doesn't like that Alma believed in Abinadi. So he, now being this leader with the Lamanites, is persecuting Alma and his people. So verse 12, who would like to read? Go ahead. Thank you, what's your name? Maria. Maria. Okay, next verse. Or I can just have my same people do it one more time. Yes, what's your name? Miranda. Miranda, go ahead. I saw another hand. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. Remind me your name. Camilla. Camilla, that's right. Okay. One last verse. Yes, Lil, go ahead. What is Christ's peace? How are we able to feel that even when there's conflict? Yeah. So as opposed to the world's peace, where peace is like an absolute Christ's peace is the knowledge that we're going to support it through our conflict. Awesome. So Isaac said that Christ's peace, instead of it being an absence of conflict, ha, he nailed it. It is the ability to be in conflict still because of Christ's strength and peace that he gives us. So, does true peace mean that nothing bad will happen? No. Uh, can we feel peace even in the midst of tribulation? Yes. So, uh, I'm gonna read DNC 121 verses seven through nine, just one more example. When Joseph Smith was in Liberty Jail, asking God why? And Heavenly Father responded, My son, peace be unto thy soul. Thine adversity and thine afflictions shall be but a small moment. And then, if thou endure it well, God shall exalt thee on high. Thou shalt triumph over all thy foes. Thy friends do stand by thee, and they shall hail thee again with warm hearts and friendly hands. But gosh, even though God's ways are higher than man's ways, have you ever had times when you just were not feeling peace in your life, and you prayed and prayed and prayed? you just did not feel peace. I'm seeing some nodding heads. Yeah, I have been there too, which is why I've come up with this five steps, not saying I know any more than the scriptures do. I have just learned through several different methods 
um, through research on the brain and neuroscience and through um, meditation, these both Christian and Buddhist meditations, and then tying that into what I know of the gospel and realizing what the Lord was trying to teach me all along, finally understood. So, as was said earlier by both Isaac and, remind me your name, you said you were talking about conflict earlier. Hannah. Peace is not the absence of conflict. So this is why I said, true peace comes when we are willing to sit in discomfort. Doesn't seem to make sense, right? For those who were not here earlier, we all paid attention to our left ankle and how our left ankle felt, feels right now. Or how do you feel in this chair that you're sitting in? Are you hot? I don't think, maybe some of you are cold in here. I am not. <laughs> so pay attention to how your body feels. But before we talk about how it's possible to feel peace or feel contentment even when you're having discomfort, just quickly why we try to avoid pain in the first place, and this is why it can uh, make it difficult to feel peace, it's part of our biological and evolutionary makeup, psychological and even spiritual. We don't want threats. Our brain and body are designed to protect us from danger. If something is life-threatening, obviously our brain does a great job of keeping us safe. The problem with today's society is most times we are not in a life or death situation. If you are, please get help. But if you are like the majority of people, a lot of our stress just comes from things like school or work or for me it might be children. <laughs> and we need to remind ourselves like the steps we'll go over again at the end, first pause. Take those deep breaths and tune in to the fact that you're here, you are safe. Uh, another one is socialization. Our culture and society tells us that it's not okay to be upset or angry or sad. Don't cry, don't yell, don't hit, right? We can't feel these negative emotions. We want life to be perfect. Sounds great, right? Isn't that what we want? We're trying to be perfect and get to a place that's like heaven. Satan convinces us that we can and should have a life free from hardship. So in order to avoid pain, we do lots of different things. What do you, what's your go-to when you're feeling stress? How do you like to deal with it? Sugar. Sugar. I'm going to go get my treats. I hate feeling stress. Was that, Sophie? Taking a walk. I'm just going to walk this off. What else? Taking a nap. I can't deal with this right now. I'm going to take a nap. So there's different ones. Numbing out is one of the things we do. As was mentioned, eating the sugar. Buffering. I'm going to take a nap. I can't deal with this right now. It's kind of like putting a Band-Aid on a wound before you're able to go treat it and really get it cleaned out and heal. Um, what was the other one? I said walk, napping. So walking, walking can be one or the other. If you're walking because you want to work through the feeling, it's great. If you're going on a walk and you're doing something else to avoid the feeling, then that's avoiding or spiritual bypassing. We do this a lot in the gospel and as church members, and it's not just our church, it's a lot of religions, we might say, ah, oh, it's not good to feel these negative things. I'm supposed to be happy. I'm supposed to be at peace. I'm going to read my scriptures. I'm going to pray so I can feel better. 
Scriptures and prayer are great. We need to do them. But if you're doing it to try to avoid or get rid of something negative, it might not work because we have, again, if you weren't here at the beginning, we talked about our physical bodies being this gift that we have in this life that we didn't have in the pre-mortal existence. And our body literally physically processes emotions, and if we aren't allowing it to do that, it gets really bottled up in there. Like a boiling pot of water, you set the lid on top of it, what's gonna happen? Do you guys not do that? <laughs> It boils over, all of the water comes out, the fire kind of explodes. So, you gotta let out the steam. So to help us understand how we do this, how we don't numb out, how, how is it can we can sit in discomfort or in pain? Whatever it is you are trying to avoid that you feel like isn't bringing you peace. In fact, I want you to write down in your notebook or phone right now, what is it in your life personally that you are trying to avoid right now or that you wish would go away that's causing you to not feel peace. I'll give you a minute to think about that. And while you're writing, I'm actually going to show you what this um, formula is. This is, I can't think of his name right now, but this is a Buddhist monk who said S equals P times R. He came up with this formula. My slideshow will keep going. Suffering equals pain time times resistance. So what's causing us to suffer? Does pain cause us to suffer? Yes? It's half of it, okay. What if we drop the resistance? Is there any suffering? No, so does pain cause us to suffer? Let's see. Okay, so we talked about the boiling pot analogy. When was the time that you, well, let's talk about what pain is, and this will help you all figure this out. So pain, who's run a marathon before? Okay, how did you train for the marathon? A lot of running. A lot of running? Just one day you woke up, and you're like, I'm gonna run a marathon? Yeah, and so you ran all those miles in one day? Okay. Okay, so you run a lot. You started with small distances, right? Okay. And remind me your name. Sam. Sam? I don't think I knew your name. <laughs> so Sam, when you were doing, you're running your marathon, how did you get through it? You had done all the training, right? Like Hannah mentioned. So as you're running, did you have pain? I'm sure I can start. Yeah? So then how were you able to keep running? Decided to? Okay, so you decided I'm gonna finish this marathon? Is that what it was? Or. It's just, I think. What did you focus on? Okay, so just each step. Is that what you said? Okay. Right, like I wasn't going to break my leg and still finish. Like that wasn't 
Okay. But I would So Hannah pointed out that it's important to start small, okay? So we work our way up to this, if we have a choice, right? Sometimes there are circumstances in our life where it just comes. It was not our choice. It wasn't our fault, right? But in something like this where we have a choice, we start small, and as Sam said, he wasn't telling himself, okay, I've got to make it the 26.2 miles at all costs. He said, because if he had broken a leg, he's not going to do that, right? It's not kind to himself. So instead, I'm just going to go another mile. I can do that. And then he gets the next mile. Okay, I'm going to go another mile. I can do that. So, you guys, I have a huge family. I have over 50 nieces and nephews because I'm number 11 of 13 children. And so I have several nieces and nephews in your age group. So I practiced with them. And they said, no, don't share this story because nobody can relate. But I did the same thing with childbirth. I've never run a marathon, but I did decide to have my children naturally because I am just weird. And I thought, okay, with each contraction, it was like, I just have to get through this next contraction. I'll be okay. I was not thinking about the whole process. Also, I was so excited to meet my baby girls. So it just was exciting. Who cares? The pain's there, but I wasn't suffering, right? Maybe you had some discomfort while you were running the marathon, but you weren't suffering. If you had gotten the broken leg, you probably would have stopped, right? Otherwise, you would have been suffering in this marathon. Does this all make sense? So think of a time in your life when you were suffering, uh, when you didn't have to. Sometimes, again, we don't have a choice. And then we really, really rely on the Lord. But there are times when we're like, I did not need to go through that. That was me. Write it down if something comes to you. Another analogy to think about is um, if you... Oh, I was thinking about taking a hike. If I'm taking a hike and I have new shoes on and I start getting a blister and I just keep going, kind of like Sam was talking about, if he gets a broken leg, he's going to stop, right? But if I just keep going and I'm getting a blister, because I want to keep up with the group, I don't want to stop and make everyone slow down, so I just keep going and going. By the end, my, my blister is broken open, I have blood everywhere, I just, I can't even get back down the mountain. Why did I not stop before? So, what was I resisting? It wasn't that, so resisting the pain means the pain's there, and instead of acknowledging it and taking care of it, I'm just pushing through it. I'm ignoring it, the numbing out, buffering that we talked about, okay? So does that make sense? Does it not make sense to anybody? If it doesn't, you're too scared to tell me. Okay, so this is one of my other quotes of myself. You will never feel peace if you do not allow yourself to feel in the first place. So when we talked about peace earlier, all the different ways that we define peace in the world or in the gospel or personally, sometimes it's a state of mind, it's a circumstance. For me, true peace comes as a feeling. And the only way I can actually feel that is I'm allowing myself to feel. So when I said that if you're not willing to sit in the discomfort, 
That's an example of not allowing yourself to feel the discomfort. Because again, if you allow yourself to feel it, then you can address needs like a broken leg or a blister, okay? Um, Elder Bednar gave a devotional when I was 18. I think it was called Things As They Really Are. It's not available in print, you have to just watch it. Um, I don't know why, but it was a BYU or CES devotional back in 2009. And he said, Satan, it's obvious that Satan tries to get us to misuse or abuse our bodies, right, through immorality or drugs or uh, not, ex uh, or just doing harmful things to it. One of the things that he does all the time that a lot of us don't catch on to is that he tries to get us to not use our bodies. So he says his greatest lie is, maybe not greatest, but one of his greatest lies is to convince us or get us to believe this lie that makes us act as if we are still in the pre-mortal existence. What did we not have in the pre-mortal existence that we have now? A body. So our bodies are really important and we need to learn how to feel. We don't think emotions and feelings, we feel feelings and emotions, okay? So remember, Christ, he didn't want to feel it either. Oh, I might get emotional. So, oops, can someone read the scripture? Go ahead, Isaac. Gethsemane, he felt every single thing that you have ever felt and will ever feel. When you don't want to feel it, why is it that Christ is able to strengthen us and help us when the world around us is in chaos or our life just doesn't seem right, everything is off? Whatever it is, if it's a weakness of yours, if it's somebody else and it's a relationship and it hurts, he has been there and he has walked your path. So that scripture I shared earlier, John 16, 33, when he said, in the world you'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He has felt your entire life for you already. So he knows how to get through it because he prayed our Father in heaven, and our heavenly parents sent an angel to him to strengthen him, just as Christ now does for us. So we're going to go over those five steps again, and this time we're going to do a little exercise as we go through them. So the steps were pause, examine, 
allow and accept, connect, and embrace. So if you're comfortable doing this, I want you to close your eyes. Try to be in the most comfortable position you can be. I know these aren't the best chairs, but you're just gonna relax into whatever. If you need to stand up, do that too. If you're not comfortable closing your eyes, just find a spot to focus on. You're just gonna focus on that spot, okay? So you close your eyes, and you take in a deep breath through your nose. And your exhales need to be longer than your inhales. I'm going to do this three times. Again, by doing this, we're just calming the brain, calming the body. We're not getting rid of anything, any discomfort, but we're just slowing down so we can be still. So number two, you're going to examine. As you're taking these deep breaths and you're focusing on your breath, notice what part of your body feels uncomfortable right now. Is there a certain part of your body that is sore? Is there something you're holding on to really tight? Is there something tense in your body? And we're not trying to figure out the emotion at this point. You are just noticing the physical feeling and sensation in your body. So just focus on that spot and breathe into it. If thoughts come up of what emotion it is tied to, just allow it to be there. So that's number three. We're allowing it and we're accepting it. So if there's a situation or a relationship or something you're trying to work through that you're struggling with, or not pushing it away, allowing it doesn't make it okay. It simply accepts the reality that exists. It is there. This is the situation I'm in right now. And that's why number four is so important. We connect with it and we have compassion. Or you're connecting with yourself or with the other person, whether you're listening to them or you're listening to your body. As we talked about with the physical analogies of if I get hurt, I need to stop or slow down and take care of this injury. If I'm in a relationship, I need to stop and I just need to listen. When Christ was brought before the woman taken in adultery and everyone was riled up, it was not a peaceful moment, it was chaotic. But he knelt and he was just pausing and noticing the situation. And then he tells the men, he that is without sin cast first stone. And then he accepts the woman and he connects with her. He's writing in the sand. He has compassion on her. And number five is to embrace. So he loves her and he tells her to go and sin no more. To embrace ourself, we need to embrace the feeling that we have inside. These physical feelings in our body are signals being sent to our brain about the emotions that we get really hung up on and we think we need to solve the emotion. But if we can tune into this gift, this body that we are blessed with, Christ teaches us how to feel it, how to get through it, and to be happy and content and cheerful. So take some few few deep breaths, you can start wiggling your fingers and toes or open your eyes if you're ready and we're going.
going to just go through these last few verses that came, somehow I came across them as I was finishing up my presentation the other night. Philippians 4, Paul said, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, so gratitude, let your requests be made known unto God. This is prayer. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. I thought these scriptures summed it up perfectly. So I hope you learned something today. And if you have questions, you can come talk to me after. Um, thank you so much for participating in this workshop with me. I'm so grateful to be here.